Well, good morning, everyone. Man, it is so good to see you guys here this morning. My name's Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater. We are, oh, thank you. Wow, that's, uh, I don't know if this is okay or not, but. Wow, that is hot and ready. Thank you. That's, that's good. That was not planned, so I'm sorry. Um, hey, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater. We are so glad you're here today. Whether you're joining us in person here in Montrose or online, thank you. Um, I have the privilege of pastoring up at our Vestal campus, and I realize a lot of you might not know us yet, and so I want to take a minute and just introduce you to myself and to my family, and I got to finish this donut. I'm sorry. Woo! Uh, real quick, hey, this is my family, okay, right here. Um, there's, most of us are here today. Uh, we're missing one of our kids today. Actually, he's not like literally missing. We, we know where he's at, just so you know. But uh, this is my wife, Amanda. Uh, we've been married for 19 years. She has put up with me for that long. It's pretty amazing, right? Some of you don't know how big of an accomplishment that is, okay? Uh, this is my son, Titus. He's 14. My son, Silas, is still up in Vestal today. He just turned 12. And this is Anastasia and she is going to rule the world very soon. So just want you to know a little bit about us. Um, we moved up here 10 months ago from Kansas City, and we've been uh, partnering with what God is doing in, in some amazing ways here throughout Bridgewater. In fact, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Vessel, but I just have to say this. God is doing some phenomenal things up there. Can I, I mean, even this past Sunday, hearing three people trust Christ, we've seen 15 people trust Christ so far this year. Can you just praise God with me? Yeah. So we're, we're pumped about what God is doing all throughout Bridgewater. Now, back to what you're really here for more than just uh, me and my family. We're, we're in week two of our series called I Quit, and we're talking about quitting fear worry, and anxiety, and I would guess all of you have that completely under control, so we're good to go, right? We can, we can just stop right now. Okay, good. Probably not, but I heard something special happened here last week. I heard that Pastor Bob uh, has a favorite artist. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I heard that Pastor Bob shared a, a song with you. Pastor Bob is a Swifty. He's a T-Swizzle fan. He loves Taylor Swift, and he played Never, Ever, Ever. You guys, were you here for that? Yeah? If you, if you weren't here or joining us online, you need to go back and listen to Pastor Bob's talk last week because he played, I guess he's into the jumping bears, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of his thing. So um, I just want you to know that Pastor Bob is not the only one. I'm sorry, this is kind of weird. Uh, that I'm doing this right now, but I just, you need to know that Pastor Bob is not the only <laughs> one. Um, uh, I too, I have, a, I have a young girl, so I listen to Taylor a lot, okay? And I didn't want to be outdone by him, but I, I thought the message is awesome. Like, what if we could say to fear, worry, and anxiety, we are never, ever, ever getting back together? Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be amazing. I didn't want to be outdone by him, so I wonder if we could get to the place where we could also say something like this. Would you watch? By the way, I hate that stupid old pickup truck and never let me drive. You a redneck hot break who's really bad and lying. So watch me strike out the match on all my wasted 
Okay, okay. That's from the old country days for, for, for Swift. Maybe you don't know that. But here's the thing. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just take all of our fears, our worries, and our anxieties and say, you know what? I'm done. You're just another picture to burn. I, I, wish, that, I wish I could say that. There have been times that I've experienced fear, worry, and anxiety so heavy that I wish I could just be like, boom, we're done. In fact, I want to tell you a little bit about myself and the fact that it's not really that simple to get rid of fear, worry, and anxiety. You see, about 18 months ago, my wife and I, we made a really big decision, a huge decision, um, a decision that has absolutely changed our lives. We spent the last 18 years in Kansas City, and my wife and I started sensing that God was asking us to do something different and that it was time for us to be uncomfortable in a number of ways. So we did something crazy. We said, yes, we will move of all places to New York. <laughs> I, I really don't know, other than California, I don't know if there's anything crazier, okay? I've lived in the Midwest my whole life. So what we did was, here's just a rundown, quick rundown of what we did. We, uh, we sold our home. I sold my business. We left our greatest friends in the world. We sold multiple vehicles. We left our church of 20 years. We left the only schools, neighborhood, city our kids have ever known. We bought a new home. We actually moved out here without there being a home for us to live in. I don't know what I was thinking. We moved 1,400 miles. I started a new job with a brand new role, and the kids entered new schools in a new community in New York, no less. And I'll tell you, I was really, really excited until I wasn't. And do you know what hit that made me not excited? This is what hit me, the voice of what if. Anybody ever heard that voice before? <laughs> yeah. The voice of what if. Let me, let me just run you through a few. What if? What if we can't find a house? What if we can't afford a house? What if, what if our kids don't fit in in the community? What if I don't fit in in the community? What if we don't like where we live? What if it snows four feet? Seriously. <laughs> like, that's legit, okay? Of all the things my wife might leave me for, it might be that, if it snows four feet. She does, she does not like the snow, okay? What, what if the church doesn't grow? All the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs started to come. And I would venture to say that you have felt the same thing. When we hear the voice of what if, we start to think we're the only one. You start to think you're the only one who's feeling it. You're the only one with financial pressures. You're the only one with struggles in your relationships. You're the only one with struggles at work. And yet research tells us that that's not true at all. In fact, let me just show you a, a couple of uh, statistics that I found. Most of us think we're, we're the only one, but the reality is that anxiety issues are the most common mental illnesses in the United States, and it affects more than 20% of the population. I just saw that by 2019, this, these numbers are from 2011, I saw in 2019 we're up to 34% of the population. One out of three of you struggles with some level of high anxiety. In 2010, more than 250 million, 53 million prescriptions were written for, an, for antidepressants. That's crazy. Do you know there's only like 340 million people 
in the U.S., right? Anxiety issues cost the U.S. more than $50 billion a year, yet in spite of all of that, more than 34,000 people go the route of suicide every single year. This community is not immune either, and Christians are not immune at all. I know that. I am not immune, but I'm also not the only one. So what do we do? Thankfully, the book of Exodus tells us some incredible stories about a group of people who were riddled with fear and worry and anxiety. And it shows us a clear pathway forward so that we can quit fear, quit worry, quit anxiety, and we can be changed from the inside out. Here's what the story calls us to do. I'll give you a quick summary. It calls us to move from what if, what if blank happens, to God will. And that's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to I show you in Exodus chapter 16 how you can move from this, all these what ifs that can dominate our minds and play over and over to take those and silence them and move from what if to God's going to do something. And even if you're here today and you're not sure about this whole God thing, or if you're paying attention online and you're not sure about this whole God thing, I want to show you a true story about God showing up in an incredible way, and I want to ask you to just give it a try, to move from what if to God will. Let me give you a little bit of background before we jump into Exodus chapter 16. Exodus is about the story of God moving the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They were there for 400 years as slaves. And he picked them up and moved them out of the nation of Egypt. He destroyed the economy of the most powerful planet, uh, uh, country on, on the planet at that time. He destroyed Pharaoh and his army. He delivered them. But he also told them, I'm going to take you to a place that you don't know yet and I'm going to take you through a desert, and you don't have a lot of food, and you don't have a lot of water, but hey, by the way, I will be with you. That's where we pick it up in Exodus chapter 16. In verse 2, look at what it says. It says this, in the desert. Well, that's a great start for stories about worry. <laughs> Anybody ever spent time in the desert? I have. It is scary to run out of food and water. That's where we start. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, here's the thing. I know you are great people, you're amazing people, and you never, ever complain. <laughs> but do, do you know what I've found? I've found that when I start to complain, it's usually because I'm scared about something. My complaining, my grumbling, my worry is usually linked in some way to my heart that tells me where I'm struggling with fear. That's exactly what happens here in Exodus chapter 16. The passage goes on, and in verse 3 it says this, The Israelites said to them, they're talking to Moses and Aaron. If you don't know who those guys are, they were kind of the leaders. Let's just call Moses the president and Aaron the vice president. That's who they are. And people start complaining to them and about them. And they say this, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly. They started down the if-only path. You ever done that? 
The, if only I had more money, then I would be happy. If only I could be back home, then I would be back. If only I was healthy, then I would be. If only I had a wife or a husband. If only I had a godly spouse, or then I would be. And really what we're revealing is our hearts, our fears, our worries, our struggles. That's what they were doing. Mind you, Egypt was not good. And here they are saying they wanted to go back. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. What? Anybody ever seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Okay. I don't know why. I'm like a teenager. When I read this, that's what I see. I see like giant loaves. Poof. Whoa. That, but that's not what happens. Okay, just so you know, if you don't know the story, just so you know. It's not quite what happens. But God says, I'm going to provide. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, and they're to gather enough for that day. Now, if you have your own Bible, please underline that day because this is very, very important. This is one of the most important pieces of it. He says, get enough for one day. In this way, I will test them. What's the test about? I'll give you a hint. This is an open book one. The test is about the fact that they were only supposed to get enough for that day. I'm going to test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Then in verse 5, on the sixth day, there's to be something different, okay? On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all of the Israelites in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the, in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? So Moses finishes this whole section in verse 8 and says this, look. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Wow, there's something extra besides just the bread. Yeah, there's going to be meat. We find out later it's going to be quail. It's going to show up every night because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Okay, so what's happening here? Okay, what's, what's going on? Well, the reality is that God is going to provide in the midst of their need, but he may only provide one day at a time. That's what's going on. He may only provide one day at a time. In fact, here's what I want you to know. God will provide, but he may only provide one day at a time. If we can pull that up. Here's the thing. Do you guys, un do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is that God sees you. He hears you. He knows what's going on. He will meet your needs, but it may not be on your timetable. Boy, I don't like that. How about you? <laughs> I wish it was on my timetable. I wish it was, you know, in line with my timetable, and he would do it when I say, you know, when I want it to be done. So what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Here's what we do. Here's, here's the key. Okay, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. 
If we can pull this slide up. Here's what I want you to do. I quit worrying by moving from what if to God will. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. We're going to move from what if to God will. And I want to share with you three truths that you can believe that will help you move from all the what ifs. What if my child gets sick? What if the money runs out? What if my cancer comes back? What if people don't like me? What if I fail at my job? What if, what if, what if? These three truths, I'm telling you, from the text, will give you help to be able to stand firm, okay? So pick up with me in verse 9, okay? That's where we're going to go. Pick up with me in verse 9. It says this. It says, Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Okay, a couple of things. If he heard their grumbling, how close do you think he is? If he heard you struggling, if he heard you hurting, if he heard all the what-ifs and all the worries and all the complaining, how close do you think God actually is? If you're anything like me, it's easy to feel like, man, I don't know that God is very close. I feel like he's so far away and he's such a big idea and big, big God, but he's so far away and why would he care about little old me? But the text says, he heard them. Go on to verse 10. Look at what it says. It says this, while Aaron was speaking, while he was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert and something happened. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Now, a couple of things, okay? If, you, if you're new to the story of Exodus, you need to know that, that God told them from the beginning when he took them out of Egypt that he was going to be with them, okay? You go back today. Do this on your own. Go look at chapter 14 and chapter 15. In chapter 14, the whole nation of Egypt, the whole army is chasing after them. They're stuck. They're right up against the, the Red Sea. For some reason, God led them back by the Red Sea. They had already gone past it. God said, no, go back by this place called Pi-Hiroth. And they go back, and they were pinned in, and, and Pharaoh and his army come up against them, and they all got all kinds of scared. And God spoke to them and said, be still, stand still. This army you see, you will never see again. I will fight for you. You have only to be silent. And then this pillar of a cloud and this pillar of a fire surrounded them, one in front and one behind. That's the context that we find. God then led them across the Red Sea on dry ground, and it swallowed up the army of Pharaoh. You know what's interesting? Even today, we are finding bits and pieces of chariots in the Red Sea. I mean, that's, that's archaeology, and, and, and archaeologists are going, how did this happen? How did they get here? I, I, I've got an idea. <laughs> I've got an idea. Why do I tell you that? This cloud has been with them all the rest of the time, but there were special times when the cloud would light up and all the people clearly could see and know that God was amongst them. How close is he to them? Well, he's appearing goes on in verse 11. Here's what it says, verse 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. 
tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Okay, let me just set this all up. They're hungry, they're running out of food, things are going poorly, they start to grumble and complain, and what does God do? What does God say? He says, I will provide. They keep grumbling, they keep complaining. Finally, God says, all right, tomorrow morning, here it is, I'm gonna take care of you. What is he saying to them? He's saying, I want you to move from what if to God will, and here's what we need to fight our what ifs with. We need to fight it with this idea, this truth that God will be near. You need to move from what if. What if I can't pay the bills? What if she breaks up with me? What if I never get married? What if I never have kids? What if, what if, what if? Then guess what? God will be near. The one who made you and sustains you, the one who, who, who holds the world together, he will be right there with you. Years ago, my eight-year-old Anastasia was struggling with fear at night. You ever raised kids? And did any of them struggle with, you know, turning the lights off at night? And what's under the bed? Ah, I don't know. And then they made Monsters, Inc., and that just ruined everything. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, of course, you know, right? So we decided as a family to start memorizing a passage of scripture, it's Psalm 56 and verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And then the psalm goes on to talk about how God is always close and he takes care of us. Here's the reality. I don't know what you're walking through and I don't know why you have so many what ifs going on, but I want you to know you are not alone. God is near. And he sees your unique circumstances, he sees the pain, he sees the fear, the worry, the anxiety, and he is right there with you. Let me tell you a bit, little bit about my own ones. I don't know why, but for some reason, I have fears about money. Can anybody identify? Oh great, thanks, I'm the only one. You guys are awesome. Really appreciate that, thank you. I, I do. I, I get afraid, but you know what? I've, I learned something. We, we, I owned a business, and, and when, we, when we would kind of start to get really lean financially, my wife would always lean in, and she'd say, hey, Aaron, it, it's time. Because we, we saw over the years that every single time we, I started to struggle with what if, when I got on my knees and I just prayed and said, hey, God, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where it's going to come from, but would you just provide I'm not kidding you, every single time, virtually within 24 hours, I would get a call and we'd get a job or we'd get something and God would provide. I'm telling you, he's near. And I don't know how he's gonna provide for you. He didn't always provide in the way I wanted. He didn't always provide as fast as I wanted, but he did provide. God is near. We need to move from what if, whatever it is, to God is near and God is seeing you and he will do something about it. Now, let me show you kind of the rest of the story, okay? Look at verse 13. Here's what it says. That evening, quail came in and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. Verse 14, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Then he says this, when the Israelites saw it, 
they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. This is the word, this is where we get the word manna, okay? If you've ever heard the, the term manna from heaven, this is where it comes from. This is the passage. So they said, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded, verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Can anyone tell me what an omer is? Not, not, not a gomer, an, an, an omer, no. I, I don't know, but it's a measurement, right? In some, some way, okay? It tells you a certain amount. You're supposed to take a certain amount for each person in your tent. So what did they do? Well, verse 17, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. Verse 18, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. But look at this, look at verse 19. Here's what it says, look, it says this. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Here's the test. Boy, I struggle with this one. You want to know why? You know what God was basically saying? God was saying, have an open hand and trust me. Can you do something with me? We just exercise with me for a second. We're going to do a little Pilates here, okay? So just put your hands out like this. God is saying, I want you, oh, some of you are not doing it. Are you too cool? All right, all right, that's fine, it's fine. God wants us to approach him like this, waiting I like to go like this. Can you do this with me? I like to go like this. I like to hold on to it and clinch it and make sure I have it because I like to be in control. Can you identify? Now open them back up. God says, go out with open hands, get enough for today, and trust me, and don't grab on to it. Trust me. I want you to think about that whenever you open and close. I want you to see this, okay? I want, you to, I want you to realize this is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to go from this to this. Why? <laughs> Man, why? Why is he calling us to do that? Here's why. This is the second truth that helps us because he wants us to move from what if to the fact that God will be in control and can be trusted. I like to think I'm in control. I like to feel in control. See, here's the thing. I said this before, but you've got to realize this. God will provide. He will. But he may only give you enough for today. You may have a very real financial need. God will provide. But it may only be just a little bit at a time. It's just a question of what are we going to do? Are we going to trust ourselves? Or are we going to trust him? Why, why, why do we do that? Like, why, do we, why do we trust ourselves? Why do we struggle to trust God? Well, it's the same reason the Israelites did. Look, look at what some of them did. Verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. Can you imagine why? It's just because I'm going to be hungry tomorrow. God, why? There's food left over. I'm going to keep this. I know what I'm doing. I can take care of myself. 
<laughs> same thing I do with money, right? Same thing you do with money. Same thing we do with possessions. Same thing we do with all sorts of things. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to take care of it. That's what they were doing. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. This is us. God says, trust me. We say, cool, great idea, but what if we just tried our own way? And more often than not, it turns to rot. More often than not, it turns to rot. Why do we do this? I mean, I'm telling you how often we do the same. God wants us to be here with those open hands that I described, and we just want to close them. Why? Here's why. We would rather lust than trust. I'm not talking about sexual lust. I'm talking about we would rather lust for more, lust for control, lust for security, lust for our own autonomy, than we would trust, and something needs to change. Maybe the step you need to take to quit, to break up with, to burn the picture of fear, worry, and anxiety is to stop lusting and start trusting. Stop lusting for the thing. Start trusting God for the here and now. Now, look in verse 21. We'll look at the end of the story. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun got hot, it all melted away. Verse 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath of the, to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it till morning. Okay, he's saying, you're not going to work tomorrow. So we're not going to go collect. We're not going to go get any tomorrow. You're going to get twice as much today. That'll take care of tomorrow. Okay, that's, that's the key. So what do they do? So they saved it. Verse 24, they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, and it did got not get maggots in it. Can somebody explain that to me scientifically? Uh, I don't have an answer, but God did it. Verse 25, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. What in the world is going on here? One day at a time, God is taking care of them. One day at a time, just like he provides for the birds. You remember the birds that we talked about from Matthew chapter 6 last week? If you didn't hear it, you can, you can listen to that. But God takes care of the birds. God takes care of the flowers one day at a time. Guess what he does for you and me? He takes care of us one day at a time. If we are going to break up with fear, we are going to have to move from what if to God will take care of today. God will. God will take care of your kids today. God will take care of your fears today. It may not be the answer you wanted. It may not be the one you thought you'd get. But he will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. He will not turn his back on you. You will not walk alone. That is who God is. God will take care of today. I told you earlier that I, I often will wrestle with 
with fears with, with finances. And my wife and I have adopted this, this uh, statement. Every time our fears come up, when, you know, when, honestly, it's usually me. Every time fears come up about worries, Amanda reminds me, she says, never once has God not provided. Could you just say that with me, at least in your head? Never once God has not provided. Has God not provided? Sorry, I messed it up. Try it again. Never once has God not provided. Never once. Check it. Try it. Test it. Try it for yourself. I'm telling you, never once. So here's what happened. Look, verse 26. Six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. And again, verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but what? Found none. If you try your own way, I can already tell you what's going to happen. So why not try God's way? Why not, why not fight the what if and move to God will? Why not? Why wouldn't we try that? I mean, let me, let me just leave you with just kind of one, one last thought. I wrestle with the question like, why doesn't God give us everything now? Well, the, the text shows me at least two reasons. Let me, let me show you. And, and if you're taking notes, write these down. I think God doesn't give us everything now because we have a tendency to forget God and God doesn't want us to do that. I have a tendency to forget. Second, not only that, but you, your heart is more important than your stomach and more important than your wallet and more important than whatever it is you're worrying about. So God is interested in capturing your heart. So here's what I want to ask you to do, okay? Here's what I want to ask you to do. When you came in, there should have been a three-by-five card sitting on your chair. If you're joining us online, Grab a piece of paper, write it, in your, if you've got a Bible there with you, write it down. Just grab something, and here's what I want to ask you to do. There's, a, there's two sides to this, okay? On the one side, and I've already written one out, okay? I've already written one out. On the one side, I want you to write what if, and I want you to write your biggest what if, okay? For me, what if the finances aren't enough? Okay, that's what I wrote on here, okay? What if the finances aren't enough, right? What is yours? Is it work? Is it school? Is it a relationship? Is it your kids? Now on the back, I want you to write, God will, and you can choose, be near. Or God will, you know, provide and can be trusted. God will take care of today. Which is it for you? I want you to take this. I want you to put it in your car. I want you to put it on your mirror. I want you to put it someplace where you are able to fight your fears, worries, and anxieties with the fact that God is near. God can be trusted. God will work today. Let me leave you with this. Last week we ended with Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And this is an important verse, okay? Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, that is true, right? See, 18 months ago, we said yes to God on something that I had no clue the, the difficulties that it will bring. But you know what I have found? I have found that despite my fears, despite my heart struggles, despite all of it, God has never once left me alone, and he will never once leave you alone either. Would you pray with me? God,
I thank you. I thank you most of all for Jesus, who is proof that you will never leave me alone. (laughs) The fact that you sent your son, you knew my greatest need. You knew that I needed to be delivered from sin. And you did something about it. I probably would have come up with my own way to do it, but you did it. He is proof that you will never leave me alone. You will provide. You will take care of me. You will work in ways that I never would have expected. So God, it's my prayer that every single person here today would see through the the story of Moses and Aaron and the Israelites that even when we complain, even when we disobey, you don't leave us alone. Help us to trust you, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?